Christmas. We're even in the midst of taking things down. You can see we're not quite finished, but we will be by next week. I hope you did as well at Christmas as I did. Now, I'm not trying to brag, but just want you to know that I did very well. I got this guarantees that I will never lose my keys again because this little button here, well, it doesn't matter. It works. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. Yes, it does. It will. This guarantees that I will never lose my keys because when I lose them, and I have at times, I'll be able to take my iPhone and go to an app and say, find my keys, and those are going to start beeping. And I'll find them. I won't lose them. I've never really lost them because when you lose something, you never get it back. I just misplace things for a while, sometimes for a year or two. But I did pretty well. I got some uh, sweet-smelling stuff, aftershave, cologne. Santa always brings us in our stocking uh, toothpaste. It's always been Mintadent. It's the one that's in a little container that you kind of press down. But for some reason, Arm and Hammer quit making Mintadent. And so we had to deal with Crest, I think. But that's okay. I got a gift certificate to Lululemon, which is a store where you can get close. And, but the most amazing thing I got was the weed eater. I had a weed eater that disappeared over the summer and I thought that one of my children had taken it, but they didn't. I think that having lots of uh, repairs, roofing, everything done, just somehow or another, my weed eater disappeared out of the, the shed, the little barn thing that we have in the backyard. So I didn't really think too much about it. But behind the scenes, Marcy called Grayson and said, Grayson, if you had anything that you wanted by way of lawn equipment, what would it be? He said, weed eater. So then she came to me and she said, I asked Grayson what he would like for Christmas and he wants a weed eater. So if you'd go down to Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever it is and pick one up for him. I went, okay, all right, I will. I went and I picked out the best. Well, Christmas morning, she hands the gift to me. I went out and bought my own Christmas present, that idea. And Grayson was standing there going, you're the one that asked me what I wanted. I wanted a weed eater. And he was just left out in the cold, which is exactly where he needed to be left out in the cold on that. So I did well from the weed eater to the gift certificate for clothes, to the reminder that I'll never lose my keys again. I'm now ready for the next Christmas to roll around. That's what we want to visit about for a little bit this morning, is the fact that it is after Christmas. And we've been talking all these weeks about Christmas being ugly in the sense of it being not what we expect, the ugly Christmas, how God has taken that which is truly undesirable and unloving and violent, ugly, and turned it into something 
beautiful. That's what Christmas is really all about. But at the same time, it's today, or it's really, it began the 26th of December, if you're just going to be real strict on the calendar, that there is a huge letdown after Christmas. And it's part of the ugliness of Christmas. If you think about it, remember that word ugly has many varied definitions. And I love the song that Peyton sang. Hope you read the words on the screen as he was singing it. That most of us fall into the trap of after Christmas, everything seems to just plunge downward. But did you hear those words? Happy day after Christmas. Merry the rest of the year. What we want to try to figure out is how to deal with Christmas being a day on the calendar that we count down. How do we deal with it after it's over? How do we get back in a good frame of mind? Because it's just normal that part of the holidays bring us to a point to where we simply have that letdown. We are sad. We are lazy about taking down the decorations when the celebration is over. How many of you leave Christmas decorations up all year long? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. But some people do. And maybe it's having to do with the fact that they don't want to deal with the fact that life goes on. Maybe that's part of how they deal with it and cope with it. Well, God's Word gives us some good pointers, some good advice in taking the, the aftermath of Christmas, the, the hollow time. Once again, I guess you just call it the, the ugly after Christmas attitude. How can we live life with a smile on our face, with joy in our heart, and truly say, happy day after Christmas, merry the rest of the year? A couple of passages of scripture I want to take us to this morning. First one is in Matthew chapter 2 verse 12, which really tells us in no uncertain terms that letdowns, and by letdown I mean this, this emotional withdrawal, this emotional downward spin, it's a natural part of life. Matthew chapter 2 verse 12 is part of the Christmas story in Matthew's gospel where he talks about those three wise men, three kings, the overall term we call them the magi, when they found the baby Jesus, or however old the baby was at that time. It says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, that having been warned in a dream by God not to return to Herod, the magi left for their own country by another way. This is just one little snippet of the story of the birth of Jesus. From Matthew's perspective, he focuses not on Mary and Joseph as much as he does the other people that were affected, that searched out the star. And the most famous would be those wise men. Whether there were three of them or not, we don't know. We do know that they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But we also know that Herod use the wise men to seek to harm the child. And we know that story, that 
the wise men came following the star and Herod kind of hooked on to their journey. And he said, when you find the child, let me know so I may come also and worship him. But in the aftermath of all of that, when Herod realized that the wise men had not returned to give him the news that he wanted, he took care of business by sending soldiers to the village of Bethlehem and taking the lives of all the little boys, two years old and under, to make sure he covered every possible child that could be a threat to him. But think for a moment about those wise men. God warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. And so they returned home by another way. I would think that path, that different path, that other way was a letdown to them. That however long they spent chasing that star, when they finally came to the place where the star led them, when they finally were able to acknowledge this child and to bring these gifts and to bow down in worship, actually, that what they would have thought would have happened would have been a, a grand reception, perhaps. Or what they thought would have happened would have been the news spreading far and wide that these three wise men, whatever their names might be, would go down in history as being the ones who introduced the world to the Messiah. Those shepherds, they did their part, but they just affected the ones that they knew, even though they saw the angels and heard the word of the angel. But it's the three wise men who had the opportunity to... Take this message, the news of this birth, in a global scale all across the world. But instead, they're finding their way back under the cover of a different way. Under the cover of trying to be quiet about it. Knowing that things didn't quite turn out the way they planned. You know, I would submit to you that letdowns are part of life and that really what we have to do is we have to know that there's going to be a time when we return to the routine of life. That's the secret. Is yes, Christmas is a, an upheaval of emotion. We count the days. The shopping is frantic. We put more than one of those up in our homes, most of us do. And everything is just right. But then after the 25th of December, after the family gatherings, when the routine returns to its normal pace, some of us don't know what to do. Secret, though it's not a secret, the key is to know that that return to the routine is okay. It's where you spend 90% of your life, not in the emotionally high times of life, but most every other day, nine times out of 10, 90% of the time, you and I are in the midst of the routine of life. Now, there are several ways to look at it. If you listen to uh, a fitness expert, they're going to tell you that 
Life is not a sprint, but life is more akin to a marathon. Which is saying what? It's saying that you cannot live your life at a frantically high emotional pace or something bad is going to happen. But you move through life, not at a standstill, but you move through life at a pace, a routine that will allow you to keep that pace and respond to those changes in life. So many people this time of year make those resolutions, New Year's resolutions, and they're a great idea. The only problem is what? Is most of us will make a New Year's resolution and then before January is over, we've either forgotten them or we've determined the cost is too great, the cost is too high. Maybe we set our sights a little bit beyond our capability. And many times, New Year's resolutions that began with the noblest of intentions end up tossed to the wayside. Why? Because some of those resolutions may be so unrealistic that once we realize that we're off track or off the rail just a little bit, We give up completely. My mother, Juanita Hatfield, was an excellent cook. My mother-in-law, Betty Steiger, is an excellent cook. My wife, Marcy, is an excellent cook. But when I think back in the past, I'll have to admit, I, I don't have a calendar date of a certain day, a certain time, a certain meal that I remember But what do I remember? I remember that for 365 days in a given year, one of those three that I just mentioned provided meals that were wonderful, that got me through the day, that allowed me to continue my life journey with not only proper nutrition, but with excellent meals. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that when you look at life, you might not be able to go back. Now, maybe you can. Maybe you can for one or two. There may be one or two times in life where you really go back and you can pinpoint and say, I remember this. I remember that day. I remember the blessing that God gave me. But more times than not, what's the case? It's the case that Each and every day you've been living and going through the routine of life, God has been blessing you. And though you may not be able to pick out one particular thing over another, what you end up realizing is that in the give and take of life, each and every day that it truly is a gift, God has provided for you. That's why we say God is good all the time and all the time God is good because throughout life, throughout that routine of life, God provides. He always has and he always will. Letdowns are part of life. There's a second passage I'd like you to look at. It's found in the New Testament as well. It's the words of Paul. It's in that four-chapter letter called Philippians. 
My personal opinion is if you just had one book, if you, just, if you could only take one of the 66 books of the Bible and keep it and the rest you had to do away with or you could never remember them, this is my choice. Because in those four brief chapters, we find the path of salvation. We find the keys to, to living life, the abundant life that God has for us. In those four brief chapters, Paul talks about contentment and circumstances. He says in Philippians 4, what we call verses 11, 12, and 13. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him, and him refers to Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. In those four brief chapters, Paul uses the word joy or joyful or rejoice or rejoicing. Any of those forms of the root word joy, 16 times, four brief chapters, just the turn of a page in my Bible, and I've ripped through all of it. And time and time again, he focuses on, he commands us to understand and to live our lives in joy. 16 times. There's got to be something here. And indeed there is. Because what Paul is telling us is that when it comes to being contented, which is what he focuses on here, when it comes to living life through the letdowns, through the high points, contentment and circumstances are going to depend upon our reaction and our understanding of this concept of joy. We've talked about it before, but it's December the 31st, and many of you are already in a downward spiral. Many of you are already wondering what's going to happen in the days to come, and you've already lost any semblance of joy in your life and in your heart. Joy, by definition, all the way through Scripture, is... Our response to the God who loves us that's based upon what we know about God, that he loves us and that he cares for us. And that's it. Joy is that outlook on life that is based upon the person of Jesus, the power of God, nothing more, nothing less than the indwelling spirit of God within us. Happiness, on the other hand, is completely different. Happiness is a word that's in the Bible. Happiness is a good thing. Happiness is that response to life that does depend upon circumstances. So therefore, you can be happy because things are going good, 
And when things are going bad, when things turn south, when tragedy comes your way, you're unhappy. But the scripture tells us clearly that we do not have to allow joyfulness to be affected by happiness or unhappiness. In other words, is it entirely possible to be joyful and yet unhappy? Yes. When something happens to you that saddens you, when tragedy comes your way, when you're burying a loved one, when you're dealing with an illness or helping someone dealing with an illness, when the job all of a sudden is not there any longer, when the decisions you made in the financial realm all go wrong, all of those things add up to what? Unhappiness. But that unhappiness does not have to determine our joyfulness. I don't want to belabor this point, folks. But it is the most important spiritual decision that I think believers make. It's the cause of more heartache and sorrow. Is because when most of us are unhappy, we lose our sense of joy. God is not with us. God is mad at us. God removes his presence and his blessing from us. And nothing could be further from the truth. So joy and happiness both exist in our world today. Both concepts are throughout Scripture. But the clear intention of Scripture determining and defining joy and happiness is to show us and to convince us of the difference between the two. And to the best of our ability, not allow happiness that depends upon circumstances to determine the joy that comes solely from the presence of God in our lives. It could be that during this holiday season, you're one of those that that just wants to get through them. It might be, and it could be said in this way, that, that I sense Christmas all around me, but I don't sense Christmas within me. And that's a real feeling. That's a real issue that people face. You could be one of those that just because of this time of year and things that happen surrounding this time of year, that you really do just endure them, that the holidays are hollow for you. So what do we do? How do we respond? Is it God's will that we stay in such a state of despair? Of course not. We have to move through that grief. We have to move through those days. We have to circle the calendar, if you will, and move through an entire year in some points. It's different for every single one of us. But the truth is still the same. That if you look at the situation, it may well be that you would have to conclude that my unhappiness has colored and has affected every area and choice of my life. 
How do we focus on that joy? Let's go back to Philippians 4, 11 to 13, where Paul says, I understand the circumstances of life and I know how to get along. When I have nothing, I know how to get along when I have everything. Because he focuses upon the joy and the strength from Christ. It's a choice. Plain and simple. He says, Stephen, what do you, what do you mean? Is I just simply say, I choose joy? Exactly. Does that mean that everything is going to turn out perfect the very next moment I say that? No. But it's a choice. It's a choice that you recognize unhappiness for what it is. But you also recognize joy for what it is. And you're determined to move through a holiday season. You're determined to move through whatever the case may be in duration of time or dealing with other people. And trying to get back and what? Realize that the natural letdowns and the routine of life is where you live 90% of your life. It's a choice that you make. It is not based upon emotion, or it shouldn't be, though it's hard to separate the two. But we have to remember that faith is not based upon emotion. If you look through the choices that people in Scripture had to make when they had to choose whether they were going to serve God or not, they were in highly emotional states of mind. But they did not choose based upon their emotions. It's not a choice of intellect as well. It's not what you know or don't know. Faith is not based upon the emotional high of the moment. It's not based upon the amount of information you have that you can draw from, though those two certainly play a big part of life. But if you make your decisions based solely upon emotion or you make your decisions based solely upon what you know or don't know, you're going to stay in this cycle of despair. So what do you choose? You choose to obey. You choose to acknowledge the routine of life is where you find yourself. And you emotionally don't try to change it. You don't try to change it by what you know or don't know. But you pray the prayer of obedience that says, God, where you lead me, I will follow. Where you tell me to go, I will go. And whether I feel good about it or not is not the point. Or whether I know everything about it or not is not the point. The point is, it's my choice. And so I would say, I choose life. I choose Jesus. I choose to follow him. So indeed, it is merry day after Christmas. Happy day after Christmas. Merry rest of the year. That yes, these things have got to come down. They will come down. They will be packed away. But with that comes a life based upon joy that looks to the future with the expectation that God is in control. 
That's the way God wants us to live. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to settle into the routine of life. I pray for the people in this room, for folks that, uh, that have a hard time, not only with this time of year, but just have a hard time with issues and choices of life. Praying that you will strengthen each one of us. Praying that you will help us. Praying that you will that you will honor our choice. These are the prayers that we pray, Lord. We pray them on this last day of 2017. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We wrap up this service the way we do each and every time we gather. It's an invitation. It's a a time and a call to commitment. Could well be that lots of choices made this morning are going to be made without anyone coming forward. That's always the case. Many times it's just a prayer between you and heaven. It's between you and the God who loves you, who loves me. But there are times when decisions need to be need to be stamped with the approval, no, with the support of God's people, announcing to the world that you love him, that you follow him. And that's where I want to invite you to make those kinds of decisions if that's what God is leading you to do. What would they be? Well, if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, never said yes to his lordship and ownership of your life, if you've never made that step to, how do you put it, become a Christian, to get saved, to convert to Christianity, all different ways to put it. It's basically a choice, (laughs) a choice that can be made for emotional reasons. Yeah. Can be made because of what you know. Yes. But a choice that is just a choice of the will saying yes. So if that's the desire of your heart on this last day of this year to To cross that line of faith, I want to ask you to come forward. There will be ministers and deacons standing here to receive you, to pray for you. You know the Lord just never told anyone, never followed him in believer's baptism? Let's talk about it. That's God's command for us to identify with him. We didn't make it up. And so if that's the decision you want to make, knowing the Lord but telling the world, telling us, then we ask you to come forward. Make that stand make that choice is it a church that you're looking for is it a place to belong some people will come to me and say I'm looking for a church home okay I get it we all need a a place of refuge we need a place where we can can serve we need to be a part of God's community God's building God's church the church is the people And so if joining our church is the choice you desire to make how do you join a church like ours you come forward That's not all there is to it, of course, but it's a beginning step. So if that's the desire of your life today to join with us, I ask you to come forward. Choices. Living by joy, living by happiness. It's up to you and me. 
I ask you to stand with me, and as we sing, you respond as God leads.